Greetings, and welcome to The Thirsty Mage, the podcast that refuses to shy away from a strange experience. I am your host and man looking to kill chaos, David Lloyd, and this week we're inspired by the most bizarre release from Square Enix in some time, Stranger of Paradise. We'll get into our early impressions uh, later in the episode, but first up we're going to discuss a few other interesting titles that have uh, come up over the years. Joining me tonight is the man whose office door actually won a fight against chaos, which caused uh, Jordan to take Zoom calls from his car, and that's Jordan Rudick. Yeah, I don't know what was more chaotic, uh, me having to cancel a bunch of office hours or uh, offering office hours through Zoom by sitting in my car. And I could have very easily like gone to the library, but I would say I wanted some privacy if I was talking to students or anything. Fortunately, <laughs> uh, no students actually came to the Zoom office hours. So it turned out that I was just literally sitting in my car on my Chromebook. I've got my phone. I got my phone <laughs> internet on tethered to my Chromebook. Uh, and I'm kind of just sitting there, you know, probably on Twitter or something like that. But uh, it wasn't I was trying to work, but no one wanted to work with me. So it uh, worked out for the best. I finally got into my office today. So it's funny you bring that up. Uh, it took about a week, I guess, to figure out what the problem was, get the locksmith to come in and change the door. I don't know what they did exactly because my same key still works with the door. So that seems weird. I thought they would have to change more than that. But uh, <laughs> finger, fingers crossed I can get into my office for the rest of the semester. Then I'll be happy. Yeah. No, that'll that'll learn you for given that uh, whichever student went and vandalized your drawer an F on their latest assignment, I guess. Yeah, well, I'm, th- that should have happened years ago if that was the case. But yes, <laughs> so someone must have uh, figured, oh, this is how I'll get him. I'll, I'll, I'll stop him from working. Like, OK, <laughs> OK. Uh, and uh, he's been gone for a little while, but also joining us a man is uh, also joining us as a man who's been known to cause some chaos in his day. It's Chris Reed. Not only do I cause chaos, I listen to Limp Biscuit on my way to Walgreens to pay for minutes on my track phone, just like in high school. Yeah. <laughs> that, that just, just one of the many peculiarities uh, in, in this upcoming game that we have here. Like, uh, But yeah, like uh, I, I think limp, listening to Limp Biscuit in the year 2022 can be considered bizarre at this point. It definitely is chaotic. So I'm looking forward to hearing about this delightful game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, I'm going to give bonus points to anyone who picks up on the Chuck Norris reference here. Finally, someone who chaos has to check underneath their bed every night to make sure she isn't hiding uh, there to exact revenge. It's Paige Chamberlain. <laughs> um, I was just thinking of Killing, uh, killing Chaos. The, um, it's like the first boss of... Final Fantasy, like so you see, like in the original demo for Stranger of Paradise, um, I forget his name, but he, he's also a fight um, in the thing in Final Fantasy fourteen. So of course, when I first encountered that, I was like, I just had to, you know, wait here to kill chaos <laughs> in the <laughs> chat. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's one of the things I'll talk about at the when we get to that is that it's uh, well, we're not going to spoil anything. Like I, I specifically only played. The amount of time that the demo is, so there's nothing past like the second world, but uh, that that character Garland that that you know becomes chaos. Obviously, spoiler for the original game, I guess. Um, that's not actually Garland, so that's uh, one of the things that kind of blew my mind right away. But uh, I, I'm also like looking at my notes, and uh, because I uh, what's the uh, the the anchorman's name there, uh, Will Ferrell. I can't remember his Rock uh, Burgundy. 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 I as I'm reading the notes, I noticed that either either I mis misread mistyped a couple words, or uh, somebody was having fun with me. 
It looks um, like you were drunk when you wrote page pages description <laughs> here because there are like five or six different mistakes here. And I don't know how you got through it. Yeah, and then you yeah. say there's a, there's a hidden reference in there. No, uh, looking at the question mark after my name. There's no way to know. <laughs> the spacing is all off. Like if if you were the student of my class, David, that's your F right there. Yeah, I mean, I mean well, the show the show notes do match pretty well with our theme. I mean that those are like Nomura style show notes right there. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm shocked I got through it to be honest with you because I am I'm the total Ron Burgundy. I'll just read whatever I wrote, and not even not even uh, care what what if I'm making any sense because most of the time I'm not anyway, so it doesn't really matter. I like it. I like it. We're off to a good start here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> geez. Uh, it's funny. I, I've noticed in the past uh, few weeks that our intros we we've kind of completely lost the uh, the drink and, and snack discussion. It's kind of just yeah. fallen off the wayside. And um, I can I mean, bring part- it back. Like I actually, would it be chaotic then to bring it back? Like if we stop doing it, and then it's chaos to bring it back. I, I, hey, I if you got one. something, you go yes. right ahead. I know I we, were, I know we were running low on Oreo types, and uh, I, I'm at the point where like I'm just drinking uh, extremely uh, niche uh, Quebec microbreweries that no one will be able to find beer for anyway. So I mean, if you got something, you go right ahead. I do actually, yeah. So um, I guess the Oreo cookie is celebrating its 110th birthday this year. Uh, I think it's this year because I haven't seen these this packaging of these cookies uh, before this. Uh, but so there's a it, it's kind of a um, multicolored rainbow colored kind of bag, uh, very very um, shiny bag that it comes in. Uh, it says Oreo 110 birthday. Uh, and then it's got an Oreo kind of dressed up like a cake on the front. Um, not to be confused with the birthday cake flavored Oreos, which are uh, different. You know, there's some some comparison to be made, I think, between them, but they're they're a distinct cookie for sure. Um, but these ones, yeah, they they have um, you know it's a standard chocolate cookie, top and bottom. On the inside, they've got a mixture of chocolate flavored cream, and then it's I think it's the standard white cream, but it's got like um, confetti in it, you know, uh, kind of those birthday cake type sprinkles that are baked into things sometimes or you find them in icing. Uh, So it's got that on the inside, uh, the two different creams inside. It's quite good. Uh, And then you've got kind of um, sort of like the sugar crystal type sprinkles you put on things sometimes you can you buy them you know at a a baking aisle in a grocery store or something um so multicolored uh sugar type sprinkles on top of the cookie as well so it's quite it's quite it's got a little bit going on for sure like there's a lot of different things happening i don't think that the flavor is super distinct it's good don't get me wrong like this is a it's, it's one of the better oreos out there probably um I just, I, again, it, it's a little bit decadent. I can't have too many Oreos these days. It might be the chocolate in there. And then you've got the chocolate cream on the inside as well. But it's a good one. Like, I, I would definitely recommend it to Oreo fans, um, especially if you liked the birthday cake flavor, because that was a little bit sweeter. This one feels that way as well. But it's got the chocolate in the middle to kind of balance that out with, uh, with a little bit, um, uh, you know, uh, what, I don't know what you would call chocolate flavor, but it's not sickly sweet or anything like that. It's a little bit more bitter. So you've got that nice mix of cream in the middle. And and then you got the sprinkles on top. It's a slightly thicker cookie because of the two different creams in the middle. I, I have to say one thing, though, um, and maybe this is the part of the chaos theme. It's not an even amount of the two or if it's even, it's kind of they're, they're kind of smushed together. The creams in the middle. So it's not like one straight layer of the the white cream with the, the sprinkles inside and then one straight layer of the chocolate. It's like. If you're looking at one side of the cookie, you'll see the white side. And if you look at the other side, you'll see the chocolate side. And then in the middle, 
both both icing types or cream types are kind of smushed together. So it's a little bit chaotic in the middle of the cookie, but very tasty, very flavorful. Uh, definitely one I would have again for sure. Uh, and so if you see that in your store, uh, I see I panic bought. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this before. I saw it on Amazon for like $9. I'm like, oh, is this rare? Like, should I buy this now? I haven't seen it in the stores yet. Uh, so I panic bought it for $9. And then I realized, oh, it's just like normal three or $4 price uh, at the grocery store. Um, so <laughs> I don't know how long they're going to sell them for, but uh, they, they got my, they got me for three times the retail price anyways. But they're very good. They're very good. Uh, I actually, it's funny that you mentioned that particular one because my kids saw it in the uh, grocery store just on the weekend and my daughter came running up to me and I was like, no, we don't need Oreos. Put them back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> See, it, it, I, that was the opposite of me. I'm like, uh, I, I, I don't need them, but I'm just going to buy them anyways. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't shown where, my where kids yet. Oh, yeah. Like I'd say probably like I'm trying to think how many flavors have I done? They're definitely in the top half, probably in the top third. Um, maybe even like just top five. Like I, I, if I knew how many flavors I'd done, I think like 18 or something like that, maybe, uh, they're definitely, they're definitely up there. Um, I, I would need to kind of, comp- I'd want to have the birthday cake one again, just to compare those two. Cause I know I put birthday cake really high and I don't think these are quite as good as those, but, uh, they're, they're close. Yeah. Well, Paige, uh, Paige or Christy got any, uh, any, any food drinks, anything, uh, to, to before we. I could talk about one um, since it's themed towards it's um, South Australian and I'm going there next week, but I haven't actually eaten it myself, so I can't comment on whether it tastes any good. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so the frog cake, um, it's actually got listed as a South Australian heritage icon um, and it was invented um, in 1922. And so basically it's a cupcake sort of thing where the frog's mouth is facing upwards and looking at the cross section of it, it seems to be, um, so the sponge cake with jam center and then there's cream on the top to make sort of the head of it. And then it's covered in like green or there's a couple of other colors, like green fondant. And then they like chop in the middle to make the frog's open mouth. So it looks like it's, it's got quite a lot of <laughs> flavor going on there. Um, and then they said, so I've seen them. They do also sell them in the supermarkets around the country. But I think, you know, if I have one, I might, I might do it <laughs> in the actual. <laughs> Sorry? I'm just, just looking at it now. You saw a picture of it. Yeah, yeah it's like it's, it's, their mouth is like, ah, up at the sky. Like it's not. <laughs> you know what it uh, reminds me of is in um, Super Mario Brothers 3, there's uh, th- those like green chompy chomps. Um. They're, they're sort of like piranha plants, but not ex- oh, not exactly the same. Like the yeah. oh, are you thinking about the ones that, that kind of crawl around a little bit? No, no. There's um okay, so there's the level where you can ride in the boot. Yes, yeah, the kirbushu. Yeah, and and in the level are these they're 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 not piranha plants, but they're they the they only have like two frames. There's like mouth open, mouth closed, and Black, they're green, the and they're almost like green. spiked. Okay, okay. I have to look that up and find that, but that—that's what that was. Those remind me of, or the um, I don't. There's the the fishing game. Um, I don't know if you guys ever played the the fishing board game where, uh, the, oh yeah, yeah, like a little. They look like the, yeah. these frogs, and like they open the yeah. mouth oh, and close yeah. the mouth, yeah. and you're supposed to fish them out. That's good. Yeah. Um, it also, I don't know if you've had it, but it says here that frog cakes are similar to um, Mr. Kipling's French fancies, which is I guess some kind of cupcake thing. So saying what cakes are similar, but yeah, I might I might see if I can find some authentic ones while I'm there and let you know if it if it's worth eating. 
Because, <laughs> yeah, I think I'd rather try it from the source than the grocery bakery ones. Paige, is it is it just me, or often when you bring up a dessert, the jam is related. Is jam a big thing in Australia? Like, I feel like so many of the desserts incorporate jam in some way. Um, I don't know if it's a big thing, um, but I guess for desserts, maybe. Because, like, spon- sponge yeah. in general, if you have sponge cake, you'd probably have jam with it. Or if you had um, scones, you'd have jam with it. Um, I think jam, aside from that's probably only used on toast outside of desserts. I just can't think of too many desserts that uh, in Canada, at least, uh, maybe David will correct me or Chris for, for the States, but I can't think of too many that would have that, that jam is always a part of them. And like, oh, you, you just see this in the store and that's what you buy that if you want that. Like, it just it feels like something that is coming up more when you share a dessert with us. Yeah, there's not uh, not too many that come to mind for me. Like, I know often if you buy a scone, they'll, uh, they'll put jam on it, but there's not... Other than that, there's, there's not a whole lot of jam-based desserts, I don't think. I don't it's, think there's also a lot of scones being bought here. Like, you know, scones, like, <laughs> you, you can get them, but, like, it's not a, I wouldn't call it a big thing in Canada either. Yeah. Yeah, and here in the States, it's mostly, if it's a if it's a dessert, it's a jelly that's inside a pastry or something like sure, that. But sure. no no jam on the outside, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was thinking, oh, there's not too many. Then I remember I did the hot jam donuts the other day, and you guys were confused because I had to explain, yeah, what jam is, and like, because you jelly jam. Let's not get into that again. We'll have to bring, we'll bring Xander. If we do, we'd have to bring Xander on to make sure that he's on, on the same page. As oh, wait, did, did we, did we cl- um, clarify that Chris knows what a hemisphere is? <laughs> yeah yes i'm well aware of, of where hemispheres are um i might not be able to point to the right one on a map but i at least can tell you the general direction of it we've, we've made that a, we've made that a condition of coming on the podcast is before anyone starts recording david reaches out to you privately and asks can you please define these crucial terms ahead like, of the podcast he's, recording? he's like what season is it in australia right now that's right exactly <laughs> It's like the skill testing question when you it's, try to win a prize, right? Like you got to answer that first. The base, the baseline, baseline the question. The cultural se- sensitivity yeah. quiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm an American, so y'all is upside down over there, as far as I'm concerned. Here, so that's now all I this got. is chaos. This is the chaos we've been missing. Very good. <laughs> This seems like a good as time as ever to uh, move on to the, the, the theme of the tonight's show, which is uh, some bizarre RPGs. Uh, I know there's plenty of weird RPGs that get lots of attention. Uh, yeah. You know, Earthbound and uh, Undertale come to mind for that. But we have a few other RPGs uh, that we think are just uh, a little bit on the weird side or on the odd side, a little bizarre for maybe, uh, you know, the, the story's a little out there or maybe it's it's something that uh, the developer's just not really known for. And so, yeah, we have a few entries uh, each that we're going to talk about. And uh, I think we'll start with Paige. Why don't you tell us uh, what game that you thought was a bit on the wild side? Well, first, the only thing I could think of was a game I really didn't like, so I didn't want to talk about it. So I just ended up going, okay, you know, what's a, what's a quick, you know, weird RPGs? And then one listed Metopia, and I'm like, of course. I thought in Metopia and also Hero Land, they're both 
weird, like weird in that they're comedy focused, um, but also the combat, like it's a turn-based RPG, but it's more slightly more offhand than you'd be used to. Although, as far as I'm aware, I think the original Persona 3 doesn't let you control the other party members too, which would drive me nuts in a game like that. But in Utopia, you've got, well, it's just weird in that you like make the entire cast of your party members, you make the townspeople, the major story NPCs all out of me, so your friends, your family, random celebrities, dogs, whatever you, you can make, especially with the Switch version where you can really go all out with the custom designs, like on the faces and the wigs. <laughs> um, I made myself a, a sad clown for quite a while. And <laughs> yeah, in, that, in Metopia, you've got you sort of auto-progress through like these pathways, you get into a random battle or situation and you can control your own character's moves, but you cannot control what your party members do, which, you know, to some people is a bit annoying, but you do have other things you can do, such as you get these sprinkles over time, which become more powerful the more like you use them. So you can sort of temporarily like stop things to th throw some more like, HP from a little salt shaker you have i think we called one of them chicken salt when i was streaming it because it's that color but you got hp give them some more mp uh, maybe wake them up and then if they've got a status effect you can backbench them for a bit so that they can recover faster and so and then you've also got control outside of the battle where you like pair them up together so they level up their friendship so then they'll get cool new like they might sacrifice themselves or whoever's their best friend or <laughs> something else suspicious and now you've got like a whole, a whole horse that you can make friends with and hang out <laughs> with the horse too so you've got bits where you're running along the beach with the horse <laughs> and yeah and it's just a very like yeah so it's weird in the you know you don't necessarily have full control and along with just the sort of silly things you get up to because it's very, you know, it's meant to be funny, meant to be make your own everything. Um, it's also definitely designed to be played like a bit at a time because the arcs are very much the same. <laughs> you kind of go through the same thing over and over again for a little bit. Uh, but, you know, like me, I think both times I played the 3DS and the Switch, I just went through it in a week <laughs> until the post game comes up and I was like, oh. And then, yeah, similar thing to that where it's very much kind of offhands and also you have to, it's a significantly even longer game than that is Hero Land, where again, it's very much like meant to be played a little bit at a time, but it's also such a massively long game. I feel like you'd be playing a bit every day and it'd probably take you yeah, <laughs> quite a while. So I hope you have a lot of um, transit time where you're allowed to play games and you're not driving. <laughs> but in Hero Land, and that's, I think Hero Land's probably even more funny because you're a specific character and it's, it's really about like harsh work culture. Like you're basically an indentured servant to the theme park because somebody <laughs> deliberately like made you break a vase that's worth a lot and you only get paid in company credits. <laughs> and... <laughs> You are like the tour guide for a hero-themed theme park. So you go through these dungeons and, you know, all the monsters and stuff are just cast members in, like, costumes and things like that. And 
the party members are in some kind of a like active time battle and you can't directly you know you can't tell them what to do but every so often it builds up and you can either strategize so you can be like go all out or guard or something like that like try to instruct them to do something specific or use items to try and heal them back up because you don't (laughs) necessarily they've all got very strong personalities and they're not necessarily thinking in the best interests of actually clearing the dungeon and being a proper hero so yeah they're both um uh very interesting games but definitely if you are playing them i would just just play a little bit at a time Paige, when you describe Mitomi, and I, I think I played the demo for it, or I might, might play the demo on 3DS or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I always think about a game like Tomodachi Life, which I actually played a lot. Like my wife and I both played, mm. and you know, it was really, really silly, and obviously using your well, knees and stuff like that. In, like it's a lot to relate there, I think, right? Well, in Tomodachi Life, you've got that Tomodachi quest, and that's what right, Mitopia yes, was right. based on. That they're like, yeah. all right, let's <laughs> make this a whole RPG. Um, I completely forgot about that. That's right. It's, yeah, it's it, and yeah, it's like it's similar in that you you make people and they have relationships and you've got that little aspect of seeing them and especially in the Switch version they added even more like they added date scenarios that you can actually see. So okay. and you, oh, <clears throat> that's the other thing I didn't mention. So personalities, like say you know, in Hero Land they're set characters and then in Metopia you've got the classes where you could be a pop star or a cat or um, a, a literal tank, things like that. But then they also have personality types, so that affects they might be stubborn. So when another teammate tries to heal them, they go, nah, I don't need it, even <laughs> when they do really need it. Um, or they might, yeah. Um, there's oh, it's like in real life. Your friends are they're hurt, and you're like, oh, do you need a Band-Aid? Do you need, do you need some medicine? Or no. Like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. Right? Or uh, certain moves can hurt the other party members, so then they start getting mad at them. <laughs> and have grudges for a little while. Um, so it's really just about all the funny, like, you know, same with Tomodachi, like a lot of funny little things you can see between characters, especially mm-hmm. if you're making new friends or I made the chef Sanji, so, and he was like the the brave character, so he kept like sacrificing himself for other party members, things like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're both very like funny and it's just, it just yeah, they're weird in the sense that you don't have, aside from, the themes and all <laughs> the weird, like the silly stuff that happens. Uh, aside from that, the they're not having the complete control, but having partial influence in the battles. Yeah, it just feels like that these are games like that. You know, if you put more into them, you can get more out of them, right? Like if you have a lot of me's of like friends and family or famous people, and then you put them, you, they're going to be thrown into funny situations. That's what creates the entertainment of these games, right? Not necessarily like stellar or outstanding gameplay or something like that, but just seeing something that you've created kind of put into this world and going about like the day-to-day or minute-to-minute tasks that uh, that are assigned to you, right? Well, and this one, it's a whole whole big adventure and not a day-to-day task. That's but, right. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But it is probably better if you make your own characters for like at least your main party members. And then when it comes to the townsfolk, maybe you just want to fill in from stuff other people have made because you do end up picking a lot of characters. Yeah. Um. And no, that was like a thing I did a lot on the 3DS. <laughs> and you can share with friends on the Switch now too. So your friend makes a cool one, you can just take theirs or you can take their me and put them in your party without having to make it yourself. 
Yeah, I remember oh, like neat. scanning QR codes, right? You could scan QR codes of Miis, I think, to upload, to get them into your game or get them into your 3DS or something. I don't know if the Switch does something similar. Yeah, um, so yeah, 3DS had QR codes and there was just like a browser of the top, you know, a few hundred um, Miis mm-hmm. that have been used. And then on the Switch, you have just um, your friends list. You can choose to make certain Miis public or private. So then you can go to your friends list and take their Miis. And I think... There's and then individual codes that people share as well. Okay. Cool. Yeah. They like it's uh, Jordan. You mentioned like I I've seen Tamadachi Life. I we, I own it. I my uh, daughter played it quite a bit. And yeah, mm-hmm. just seeing family members and and me's that we had created doing weird things. Uh, there was many time I was driving in the car and she was playing on the 3ds and there'd be like this this music video or music dance where there's like. <laughs> Like it'd be like her singing and then like the, you know, the rest of the family member in, in the band or whatever. And, yeah, and the yeah. song going on. And, and like, she figured it was the funniest thing in the world, having the family uh, do this pop song. Um, yeah. Just, uh, I could just imagine it even being, uh, you know, switching that over to an RPG and uh, you know, if, if I was like the villain of the game and, and they were playing or something like it would be pretty funny. I, I can exactly, see lots yeah. of uh, mayhem uh, going on there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, well, uh, we'll go on to uh, Chris's uh, pick, and this is an N64 game I definitely have not played, uh, but oh, reading no. up on it, it, it sounds pretty wild. Yeah, this is this is amazing. So I'm going to set the scene for you guys. So it's 1999, and you're, you're a punk 15-year-old starve for an RPG because you're an idiot and only have an N64 and not a PlayStation at the time. So you're reading through Nintendo Power, and you finally figure out, hey, this RPG from Konami is going to be coming out. So you get in your car, you put in your latest Limp Bizkit album, Significant Other. It's a classic. Drive to Blockbuster. Remember those? Get it. Go home. Put it in. And you're greeted to a cutscene where your main character, Johnny Slater, is butt naked in his apartment answering a general for some reason, <laughs> saying you have to go to Manhattan to do something with the president. You're not sure. But your girlfriend's mad at you because you have to get back by Christmas because it's Christmas time. Okay. So then you decide to go on your quest where you are. It, it just it just spirals out of out of control from there. And it's just it's absolutely it's it's amazing. Um yeah, this is hybrid heaven. This is notorious RPG on the Nintendo 64, one of the few RPGs there, and this one just makes a name for itself with just how insane it is. Um, The best way I can describe it is if Hideo Kojima had tried to make an N64 Metal Gear game, and there actually are rumors that this was supposed to be an N64 Metal Gear game at first, um, that was kind of abandoned halfway through. We'll never know the actual story to that, but that that is a rumor that's been going around for a while. Um, So what Konami did was they took what was there and they tried to make something out of it. And so their their answer in this crazy convoluted sci-fi plot involving transhumanism, clones, the president, Christmas, whatever, is to add a combat system uh, using wrestling moves. So in this game, you are running around <laughs> underground environments in New York, um, 
and then when you get and then you, you're doing Metal Gear Solid st- style stuff, right? You're running around. You're very awkwardly shooting these surveillance drones that takes forever to shoot because the controls are awful and it's an N64 controller, so you can't you don't have any precision with anything at all. And but then once you get to an actual enemy, it switches into a battlefield, wherein then it's it that enemy's charging you. You like okay, you don't know what you're doing, so you see a meter pit filling up. That's power. And then once you actually get to the enemy, a menu pops up that gives you, you can, you can, you know, use your hands, use your legs or do a grapple. And you can literally do like wrestling moves on these enemies. So that, and it, it's turn-based combat. You are running around doing turn-based combat, you know, kicking aliens and pile driving them at some point. And then as you're doing this, of course, it's an RPG, you have to level up. But what you do is you don't get any new equipment or ex- or real skills, what you do is you level up the parts of your body. So you can put points into your right leg or your left leg or your arms or your head for headbutting. And it's just, and it just, it just goes from there. It just, it, you, you really, it's, I, I have no words to describe it. If you haven't seen videos of this thing, you have to go watch at least a couple of them because it's absolutely wild and insane. And the fact that this came out, is just incredible to me. This is just an amazing game. Well, I've I've heard of this game, but I I or at least I'd heard of the title. I can't believe I never played it because I rented a lot of N sixty four games. It just feels like one I would have randomly grabbed at the video store one time, but I never did. Uh, none of my friends owned this game. I, Chris, was this a late N sixty four game, perchance? Uh this was nineteen ninety nine. So okay, not, not too late then. Not too no, no, late. Yeah. Like, kind of middle middle of the middle of life cycle then. So that yeah, that's funny that I never had a chance to play this one. But just looking at it, watching some of the video. It's wild. It's definitely one of those like games that I would have seen on like Angry Video Game Nerd or just just some some video of you know worst games <laughs> worst games on the N sixty four kind of thing. Like it looks ridiculous for sure. Did you did you ever play it all the way through? Um, I don't think I actually finished the game. I think I got to the last area back in the day. Um, I yeah. don't think it was terribly long. I think it was probably you know in the fifteen to twenty hour ish range. Yeah, so it yeah. wasn't terrible. Um. <laughs> I remember, I, but I don't remember actually beating it. If I did, I was just probably too confused by what happened to actually fully comprehend or remember what I just did. Um, the things I remember most are like, there's one point where you, um, <laughs> you literally get chased around by a giant like xenomorph from alien Jurassic park style. Like it's chasing after you and you're running around um, and it's, it's behind you. And it's like, why is this happening? I don't know. But, and then you just get through and then you're safe and like, okay, great. It's, a, it's, it's, <laughs> So it's, what you're saying is it would be worth the 50 Australian dollars it would cost me to get the cartridge. I'm not I'm not going to endorse that purchase. I'm not going to say it's going to be a regrettable purchase, but <laughs> I'm not going to dissuade you. Not, not, yeah, it's not not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's definitely worth if you if you don't want to pony up the money watching um I'm sure there's got to be playthroughs of it on the internet no doubt, long yeah. plays of it and just just watching again, just the initial, it, it really, it, it must've been a Kojima game at some point. It just has all the trappings of what he would do, especially like when he got to Metal Gear Solid two and things like that, those type of just incredibly convoluted where they're trying to go for a message and maybe hit half the time. Um, but it's just the story beats and what's happening. Um, even the, the goofy humor of it, right? Like, you know, you pile drive aliens in this game. It's fantastic. So <laughs> it's... 
I only I'm not gonna realize from the images he's, he's wearing he's wearing like a jacket. I thought I thought that was just his body. Like I thought he was shirtless and just wearing pants. <laughs> and then now oh. I realize no, he's got like a leather jacket on or something like that. Yeah, oh no, that's that's Diaz, and that's one yeah. of the great twists of the at the beginning of the game because you start out as Johnny Slater, but then you see Diaz and he shoots you. But okay. then oh no, you realize that Diaz is actually the real Johnny Slater. Oh so you are Johnny Slater as Diaz. <laughs> and <laughs> That's some it's 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 fantastic so yeah i highly recommend watching videos of it or finding some means to if you really want to play it go ahead i'm not going to recommend it, but it's, <laughs> it's, i think I that's a solid I, investment page i think that's something that could triple in price as soon as the the uh it, it's rediscovered by uh or or uh, konami comes out of like uh hibernation and decides to start to uh, uh, you know, remaster in their backlog, that'll be top of the list. Well, you the know, reviews, if the, if the reviews are all over the place. I see a four out of 10, seven out of 10, nine out of 10, and <laughs> 4.1 out of 10. Like you either like love, you love the shtick and the campiness of this, or you realize like this is a piece of garbage. I don't know, but maybe somewhere in the middle. You know what this would be great for if the um, N6, if the expansion pack service for the Nintendo Switch Online goes the route of like the SNES and the NES one, where they just add some just bizarre stuff that no one really wants later in it if they add yeah, this to that that would be that would be a fantastic treat that unfortunately nintendo doesn't like us that much so they won't give us that but it's not know. nintendo i think it's konami right it's trying to get the game from konami that that's the tough part i think nintendo could do something ridiculous like they we did like you said chris they have put some like really obscure nes and super nes games out on that service but can i don't think there's been any konami games added to i any of the nso services if i'm not mistaken yeah. Well, limited gonna... run uh, has some kind of relationship with Konami. They must know someone there too, because they've been <laughs> doing some re- funny releases. I think this. I think we should all email Limited Run Games and say, you know, forget, you know, put a put a pause on Castlevania games for now, and, and let's get some hybrid heaven out of Konami. Are I they want doing, a limited are they doing run the Turtles uh, game? Sorry, are they doing the Turtles compilation? The Ninja Turtles compilation? No, that's a different that company, I think. Whoever, because oh, I know Chris Eclipse, is working on that one. Yeah, and I digital, can't remember who's. Yeah, I think it's Digital Eclipse. So maybe we yeah. need to solicit them because a lot of those games were Konami games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, last thing I'll say about this game, just because I do, for some reason, I remember this of all things. Um, I remember because you get to upgrade your, your body parts, right? Leg attacks are distinctly overpowered. So if you just like put all your points into legs, you can just wreck through the game pretty quickly. So just a piece leg of advice. Leg day yeah. every day. Every yeah, day. <laughs> leg day every day. Just have quads of steel going through this game. <laughs> Only when you're fighting aliens and, and <laughs> hybrids and God knows what else, clones. Yeah. <laughs> What 
what bizarre or, i don't even uh... know like it's just <laughs> more chaos i guess like it's funny like i was gonna play the stranger of paradise demo uh but then that that didn't download because i didn't have enough space on my ps5 so uh, all of a sudden i decided to start uh because it just broke your ps5 pretty much and it's funny <laughs> demos 40 gigs like you're killing me here <laughs> um and so i i try so then i i'm like okay what do i already have installed that i can play on my ps5 while i'm waiting for the de- the, the stranger of paradise demo to load and valkyria chronicles popped up and i know we were going to do an episode on we still will so i won't talk about that game today i'm only a few chapters in anyways but uh on just kind of on a whim i guess i wanted something small to play over the weekend so i played harmony of dissonance and harmony of dissonance is one of the games in the castlevania advanced collection that came out um, a few months ago i guess um i had already played circle of the moons so i was kind of playing it in order and so Harmony of Distance itself isn't a particularly bizarre RPG, but it did get me thinking with this kind of this topic and these kind of Castlevania games that are incorporating RPGs, like RPG elements, I should say, like how is it really necessary to even have these RPG elements that are really adding something meaningful? I don't know. Um, in Harmony of Dissonance, like some of the other um, Igavanias, you have an, uh, an experience point system. So you level up every so often. You don't see experience points on the screen unless you go into the pause menu. You can see how many you need to level up. But when you're just fighting enemies, you don't realize you're gaining experience until you actually do level up, which usually happens during a boss fight. Um, Harmony of Dissonance is actually pretty good. Like it, it it's, it's kind of funny how... I don't know if this is just because after we've played Symphony of the Night and and Chris was on that episode with David and I, um, after playing that game, like now everything feels like Symphony of the Night. But Harmony of Dissonance is the feels like the most Symphony of the Night that that uh, that I've played so far. I guess since since uh, since playing that one through, Um, it you know it's got the two castle thing. It's got uh, not they don't they don't actually invert, but it does have two of them that you switch between different save points. Uh, it's got, you know, the collecting of the pieces of Dracula. It's got, you know, typical Metroidvania trappings of going back to places you've been before with new powers that you have. Um, I think it's probably the better game than like, Circle of the Moon. Uh, just, just thinking about this whole collection, I'm, I'm going to play, which I the, the game I think is the best, RAFSR. I'm going to play that soon. I haven't played that yet. Um, but I think it's better than Circle of the Moon. I found Circle of the Moon really, really tough. I was really abusing the uh, rewind function there. Uh, but with Harmony of, the Dis- Harmony of Distance, I didn't really need to. I felt like it's kind of a, it's really well paced. Um, you don't feel like you're, you know, super overpowered or, you know, really, really weak at any time. Like as long as you're equipping new new armor and new uh, weapons and stuff like that periodically, um, you, you're, gonna, you're probably going to feel at the right level for where you are. Um, one neat thing about this game is that... Um, the you don't combine card powers like you did in a circle of the moon. So I, I guess this is the second GBA game. And so they did away with that system probably for the better. Um, and in this one, you have all of these, this kind of familiar Castlevania sub weapons, uh, you know, like the cross, the book, um, the holy water dagger, stuff like that. Each one of those is associated with a different magic spell based on these kind of elemental books that you collect. So you collect, there's five books to collect uh, in my playthrough. I only got three of them fire, uh, I got fire, ice, and wind. Um, and when you toggle one of those magic books on, it changes your sub weapon move to a different magic spell. So not only is there a different spell for every element book that you have turned on, uh, but there's also a different one for every sub weapon. So it, it leaves a lot of variety in terms of the moves you can use. Um, the unfortunate thing is if you really like a particular move, like I was using the um, the, the cross that you throw, uh, pretty popular sub weapon in Castlevania games. Uh, 
I had the ice book on and it would summon like this kind of Chris, like a, almost like a ice crystal shriek and kind of thing that would follow you around and would shoot enemies like a turret. Uh, if, uh, if, if enemies came onto the screen and it would fire like three volleys before disappearing and that, and it uses your magic meter when you've got the book turned on rather than your hearts that you collect. So there's a lot of different moves you can do in this game to deal damage. So it's pretty cool that way. Uh, but yeah, I, I just got to thinking, like, I don't know what really we get out of adding RPG elements to these games or classifying them as such. Like, I feel like, if, you know, if you just make all the enemies kind of the same strength and you don't have that character progression where you're getting stronger, because it, it, I don't know that it adds anything meaningful. I don't know if you guys have uh, similar feelings about games like this where they just kind of shoehorn RPG elements, but they maybe not, they don't feel that meaningful. Well, this was after Symphony Night, you said, right? So yeah, this is the part of the the GBA trilogy, and those those games all came out after Symphony Night. They're kind yeah. of they're so so obviously modeled in that style, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just gonna well, say like it's it's probably one of those things where it's like a badge that it needs to put on, where it's like, hey, this is the the Castlevania that uh, you like. It's the one with the RPG stuff in it. So it's, yeah, I, yeah. I'm sure to a certain extent, there's like some uh, marketing value to it. Well, and I think this one, I think this was actually Igarashi's return to Castlevania because I don't think he had anything to do with Circle of the Moon. I thought that mm-hmm. was made by a separate team. So that would make sense why there's much more of that. Again, that callback to Symphony of the Night on this one, um, almost maybe to a fault. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question, Jordan. I don't I don't know how to answer that fully. Um it just, it just feels like another little thing that's there. Like, oh, I beat a boss. I see the words level up. I'm not really going to feel that much stronger. Like, it, it's that thing we've talked about before on the show of games where they put in an RPG element and you level up so incrementally that it the progression doesn't feel meaningful. Like, the, I, I think much more meaningful progression in this game comes from equipping your character, right? If you equip different whip, uh, different whips or different orbs to your weapon slots so that you're doing like a different elemental attack or you equip a different, you know, a different helmet or a different accessory or different chest piece, those do feel meaningful. Like you, you notice that you're taking much less damage compared to what you were before. But when you level up, you, you just don't really feel that much stronger or more capable in this game. And so... It's just a funny thing that I was thinking about with with you know, the Igarashi games or the games that came after Symphony of the Night, where they've put in RPG elements as one of those things to change. I just don't know how much it really adds in all of these games, but maybe especially I felt it especially here that the level ups just didn't seem all that meaningful. Yeah, and it could just be it could just be a you know just that dopamine trick, right? Like, well, if you see the levels are going up, okay, that's more incentive to keep going to keep progressing so it's just another little thing to encourage advancement through the game um but that's interesting that it doesn't feel like there's that much of an impact on it um i think you're right in that things like your items and equipment have a much bigger impact on what you're doing Mm -hmm. um so that's interesting i I'd, i'd be interested to play like that in symphony of the night like kind of back to back to see yeah yeah how much of a difference there is between it, that it almost feels like i've done that a little bit like really the only the only other castlevania game we, yes we played super castlevania 4 uh about a month ago and um circle the moon i played before this one as well just trying to play them in order but yeah i think the idea of maybe playing this one against symphony and i and just seeing it's just funny you're, you're right i think you're right chris the idea of igarashi coming back to the series and like okay let's just let's not fix what's not broken right like let's just do exactly what we did but make it portable now right instead of just on the playstation so 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know that Juiced Belmont is like a great protagonist or anything like that. I think I think Maxime, uh, who, who's in the game and you can play as after you beat the game, or I guess if you have the right the right codes to put in at the beginning, you can play as him. Seem I was watching a, a speed run of the of the Maxim gameplay. It just seems a lot more interesting than Juiced. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just funny how this character not only looks like Alucard, the game plays so much like that, so many familiar trappings. The only one of the only things that was missing was the kind of transformations that Alucard does. There was no mist or bat transformations or anything like that. Oof. I think it was a really fun. No, nothing like that. Like yeah. just really, he doesn't transform at all. Like any abilities you get are strictly movement based, like like a slide, a double jump, um, a super jump that kind of vaults you up to the ceiling kind of to kind of type deal. But no, no transformations or anything like that, I guess, because he's um, more human than vampire unlike Alucard that's kind of 50-50, right? So uh, maybe it made more sense for him to be more magical. You, you do have the spells. The spells are really cool in this game. I think it's fun. I think it's def- definitely better than Circle of the Moon. And I'm glad I went back to that collection because I I feel like th- there's all these art, um, game collections coming to Switch where you get so excited about it and like, and then you only up playing playing one or two of them, you know? Like, you know, speaking of that Ninja Turtles Calabunga collection that's coming out, like, there's like 12 games on there. And I... I, I I worry that I'm only going to play one or two when really I want to play like seven or eight. I want to play most of the games on there. So I'm trying, I, I'm trying to like look back at my switch library and see like what collections have I picked up? Cause there are a lot of like collections of retro games coming to the switch and it's just so easy to download it, play one and then move on to the next thing. Well, you'll just need to put it into a group folder. The oh, don't, get me, don't get me started on the folders. <laughs> the groups. Oh my Make gosh. your own collection. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Collect a, a collection of collections or something like that. You need yeah. the uh, the horse blinders, like the what, that they put on the horses that they're only looking <laughs> in one direction. So it's like you can't look at any new releases. You can't look at any uh, any of your backlog. You just have to stay focused on the on the game at hand. The only way that's possible, if I say, okay, I'm retiring from the Thirsty Mage. I'm retiring from NWR. <laughs> I'm officially not doing you know any kind of games writing or creation. I'm just playing for like pure entertainment the only way to have those blinders on otherwise like you're just we're you're just in this in this business this industry we're so inundated with news every day there's some news about something coming or some reminder like hey don't forget about this this is the coming new, too the, the new shiny oh. thing yeah exactly every the new day. shiny thing is chrono cross in a couple of weeks chrono cross kirby reviews dropped today it looks yeah. like the one of the best kirby games of all time like oh my god yeah. like why why does it have to be the best kirby game of all time coming out in two days like that's not good it's good okay. but it's not good too you at know? least it's a shorter game than another yeah exactly exactly yeah although you, you say that page i'm like i feel like this is one i'm probably gonna play with my son so yeah, yeah i could blaze through it myself but if i'm gonna play if, it through is there with gonna him, be yeah. arguments about who gets to be kirby and who has to be it's, it's definitely it's definitely him he's he's very much like he chooses his own character and i get whoever's left over so yeah i'm gonna be going through the game as waddle d i guess bandana so you, you get the fun of constantly being pushed back to wherever yes. he's walking and, and not being able to transform into a car or a uh a vending machine oh or it's very like cute though because when kirby transforms into a car the bandana d just sits on the back of it like holds i on. do like that. that that's a nice touch it's a nice that he's not just left behind in the dust right no yeah that's good yeah, too too many games though. But uh, you know, Harmony of Distance really good. If you haven't picked up the Castlevania Anniversary or Castlevania, no, those are different things. Castlevania Advance Collection. Uh, I, I think if it's such a if it you know twenty bucks or something. It's such a worthwhile purchase. There's so many hours of entertainment that comes from these games. Even if Dracula X isn't something great, I think the three kind of Egovania style games, uh, you know, all. 15 ish hours um, or you know, around that. If you want to do everything plus, you know, multiple ways to play through them. E- easy recommendation for sure. 
Cool. Well, I guess I'll finish up with a uh, a look at uh, I guess tonight's theme or tonight's topics uh, inspiration I suppose. But uh, before I jump into that, real quickly, I'm just going to talk about uh, the game. Like, so this isn't even the first kind of weird game where Square kind of you know takes the Final Fantasy franchise off the rails a little bit. Uh, you know, I I would argue that Final Fantasy X two was kind of the first uh, or one of the early ones where they kind of decided to, to go in a different direction. Because up until this point, the Final Fantasy, uh, you know, franchise was always like all the games are serious. So you could argue there's uh, some weirdness in Final Fantasy eight. And uh, I mean, you, the, no, no arguments there. But really, like the, the tones were always very, uh, you know, epic and, and serious w- with some, you know, levity here and there. But uh, Final Fantasy and and never a sequel like a, there it was always a numbered, you know, standalone stories numbered all the way through. And then all of a sudden they decide, okay, you know, we're going to from the success from Final Fantasy X, since it did so well, they decided to do a sequel to that one where it's the first time where it's, you know, following following up on the story. And um, yeah, it's it's such a totally different tone (laughs) from Final Fantasy X. Like it's, you know, it's uh, it's Yuna, you know, even right off the bat, like the game starts with the cutscene of Yuna being a pop singer. Like, I don't know how you go from priestess who is supposed to, like, sacrifice herself to, you know, save the save the world from sin to I, I'm singing pop songs in on a stage. And um, I think there's like some kind of clone or something like it's not even really her. It's like some kind of clo- uh, bad guy in. Oh, it's like the, the LeBlanc, I think, in, in some kind of like unit costume or something to to make it look like it's just this you know it starts off wild and it doesn't it just it keeps getting wilder as it goes on you know you you equip different dresses with different weapons um the the enemies are like a team rocket style anime villains like they're not even that serious uh, of villains there's one scene where yuna like there's a, a mini game of where yuna's massaging leblanc um like it's just it's a wild game uh so you know Square Enix is, is no stranger to these games as um, uh, and yeah, that, that brings us to Stranger of Paradise. The the uh, like, I don't know. I said, like I said, I've only I purposely only played the demo because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. It just came out a week ago. But this game is absolutely insane. Uh, you know, it, it starts off with uh, cutscenes at the very beginning, which uh, I'm watching it and I'm like, I who who authorized this budget because it seems like money was thrown at this game uh you know like like they had raided scrooge mcduck's vault like it was it's ridiculous the the amount of detail in in the initial cutscene where um it, it it's never shown in the actual final fantasy game because the game starts off with garland having abduct, abducted uh, princess sarah but the, the, the opening cutscene of this game is Garland like just throwing Sarah up on his shoulder and then just walking out the front door and basically wrecking everything along the way. It, it's 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 insane. Like the amount of detail in the in the knights that are like fighting him and then in, in the castle that he walks out of. And then they start the game with absolutely zero explanation as to why three three dudes from uh, you know modern times are just walking around the world of final fantasy 
zero explanation whatsoever they don't even know they're from the real world it, it doesn't even it doesn't even make any sense they're just walking along and then the first time they meet they just all stand like just happen to walk into each other in front of uh the corn corner corneria castle like they just kind of bump into each other and then jack is like ready to fight them until he realizes they got they each have like vibrating crystals in their pants it's it's ridiculous <laughs> And then you know, and then the the king. Uh, hold on, just hold on. You can't you can't just say vibrating crystals in their pants, and then like <laughs> the total nonsense, and then just go on to the next thing. Like what what is what I, what, what is this game? Like what is happening? This game? Just need to share the crystal. <laughs> we need to charge the crystal. Well, they, they all had to from shining the orbs back in the original game, right? Like yeah, all the they all, they all had to pull their stones, pull, pull their stones out of their pockets and compare them to each other. It was uh, no, it, it was those crystals. You know how, like in the beginning of Final Fantasy, the four, the four warriors of light show up and they all have like the darkened crystal. Yeah, uh, like th- it's the same thing. The three of them each have the the darkened crystal, and it's funny they all know the prophecy too. Like they they're convinced that they are the warriors of light even though there's three of them right and then okay. people are even asking or like the king even's like yeah there's only three of you but uh, uh I'm, I'm sure you guys are the warriors of light it's just like <laughs> this is the way he talks too. the king literally like there should be four warriors of light but there's only three of you but uh, that's okay it feels and, like satire. Uh, it feels like you're a satire uh, or a parody of the original game, right? Like yeah. maybe that's the stranger of paradise part, right? This is, it's a retelling of that, of that story, but also like not, you know, it, to be a parody of some, a, a game that was very serious back then, right? Like that was a, yeah. that was a serious, dark, you know, fantasy RPG, but th- this one just doesn't seem to take itself seriously no. at all. No, not at all. And then it's, and there's so many things that they just leave hanging. So they, so they send, so the, you know, the three of them show up to Corneri Castle. They somehow get an audience with the king and they somehow convince the king that the three of them are warriors, even though they're wearing like track pants and and t-shirts while everyone else is walking around in like medieval garb. And, and then the king sends them off to, to do this quest to prove that they're warriors. You don't actually see the quest. You just see them coming back from the quest. (laughs) And... (laughs) And there's like Jack has like a, a cut on his chin, and they're like that—that's basically like the extent of the damage they took on whatever quest they were sent out to go do to prove that they're actual warriors. So then they come back, and the king's like, "Well, I guess you guys are warriors then." And he hands them the key to the chaos shrine. They go to this chaos shrine. Uh, this is like the de- the first demo where you're fighting in the chaos shrine, and you fight uh, what you think is Garland at, at the end of the shrine. But when, what ends up happening is that. The so you defeat Garland and then the armor falls off the person, and then the fourth warrior of light just kind of stands up and was like, "Well, that was a waste of time," and and they're like, "Who are you?" And she's apparently the 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 final warrior of light from four warriors of light from ten years ago that apparently tried <laughs> no, to kill chaos. No, hold on, hold on. You're you're not talking about All the right. video game four warriors of light. No, no, I'm talking about no, like okay, okay. So so. <laughs> Paige so and I got years... really excited for a second. You're talking about this DS game with connections yeah. to Bravely Default, not, no, not this so, one. So there's so there's so this is the first um, indication that there's some kind of weird time mechanics going on here because so the 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 woman that that's wearing Garland's armor, she she kind of comes out of the armor and, and explains to the three guys that ten years ago four warriors of light tried to defeat Chaos, and they discovered Chaos wasn't real. And so she decided 
screw it. I'm just going to wait here and try to make myself chaos. <laughs> so she puts Garland's armor on and just sits in the chaos shrine, hoping to become chaos. <laughs> hey, fake it till you make it. That, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. More power to you. Yeah. That, that's bizarre. Okay. Yeah. Then I... So then she's explaining to, to them that there is no chaos. It's all just a legend that to, to keep kind of people in line or whatever. And, and this is the, the, I, I'm sure everyone's seen the video where Jack is like, Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's BS. And then just turns away and starts listening to Limp Biscuit and leaves. This that's when that happens. So there's no again no explanation as to why Jack has an iPhone and Bluetooth head head like um, uh, iPods or whatever you call it the ear pods. Like he just walks away from them all. The three of them listening to his music and the three of them look at him like they they, they just don't know what's happening. It completely cuts to them going back to the castle. <laughs> like no explanation. <laughs> made she's just okay she's now on the team like she explains like oh i'll just hang it with you guys i guess and so they go back to the king and they explain that um you know that they got there and the the throne was empty and and the king was like he he tells them yeah chaos doesn't exist it's just something we made up <laughs> and, <laughs> and so <laughs> and so he tells but he says like the legend is real that that you have to go uh make your crystal shine again so he, he's you know go out on the quest and and he said if you can make all four crystal shine again then you'll lay you'll be able to claim that you killed chaos and jack was like no chaos is out there don't don't you worry <laughs> and so they go out on the quest and jack is still convinced that chaos is real it, it's so then they the they do like the traditional where they're walking across the bridge and and they have that scene where they're all like there's the castle and the village and the the sun setting or whatever and, and that's all pretty neat and then they they show up in provoca and and the people of provoca start throwing stones at them and spitting on them <laughs> and, and the, the one guy ash is like what the hell and he like grabs a kid and starts yelling at him like what's your deal and the kid explains that uh cornelia has been sending um people off to their deaths to like uh, on these like four warriors of light quests to and, and the guy's like my dad was sent off to get a crystal and he died and the four of them are like they, they don't know what to make of it and jack's like don't worry we'll we'll get her done <laughs> and the kid's like screw you man <laughs> my dad is dead <laughs> and so like, there's this like complete misconnection between like him and what's going on in the world and then the kid uh the, and then jack's like where's the mayor and and the kid explains that the the town is actually just run by a bunch of pirates in a cave and that's <laughs> mission two <laughs> so mission two is you're walking through a cave and it totally looks like goonies where there's like a a a ship like in the water in the cave and and they get there and uh so then they like beat up captain um oh it's it's pronounced funny bikey or something like that yeah i'm not sure but so uh so yeah so you get into a fight with him and you beat him and then he explains so he like so jack's like tell me about the crystals (laughs) <laughs> and so the captain's like, I, I don't know anything, but uh, Astos, uh, the the king of the dark elves, knows. And, uh, and and so they're they're like, well, you know, what's a dark elf? And the and the captain's like, I don't know. I guess it's like an elf that's that's eaten like other elves or something. <laughs> like this is like he doesn't even know. <laughs> and but he's like, but we'll take you there. It's fine. And, <laughs> and it's I like just, the it's so the wild. comments that um, Jack Jack is a cutscene skipper. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, 
Well, that's because I've seen um, a cutscene on Twitter, and this is probably what's coming next because yeah. I, I stopped the, the demo ends right before you meet Astos. And um, Astos is like starting to get into a, into like a, a, a spiel or speech, or whatever. And Jack just says, <laughs> I didn't ask for a story. I said, what about the crystals? And then Astos is like, oh, a man who, who doesn't like to waste time. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems like they've taken like that original trailer where all Jack said was chaos. And now all he says is crystals. Because you've said the word yeah. crystals like a thousand times just now describing this game. And I have to give it to you because I think that... I don't know if I'm interested in the gameplay. Like I'm, I want you, I want you to talk a little bit more about the gameplay, David. But um, the story and just how bizarre it is, and the callbacks to Final Fantasy One do have me more intrigued than I was kind of just around the launch time. So, um, wh- but what about the gameplay? What what is there any differences between that first demo or you know how how are you driving with what how you actually so, play the game? So the game is. <sighs> And this is one of the funny things is because so it came out after Elden Ring and there's, you know, obviously with the From Software, it sparked the accessibility and difficulty debate. And uh, so Square Enix leaned right into it by, um, you know, kind of mocking like the, hey, if you don't if you don't really want to challenge, here's all these accessibility features. So you can just basically wreck everyone and not have to worry about it. And that was one of the things is is that in the demo, I actually like I. The especially the final battle with Garland, I felt like it was there was a lot of difficulty or it, it seemed kind of hard in the demo. But then I I think I just used whatever the default settings were and I just absolutely wrecked everyone. Like, yeah, and, and it's funny, the like some of the some of the mechanic or the the moves and stuff are just insane. Like there's one um, in the in the cave. Um, so Jack has like this finishing move that he does on enemies that you can use. Like it's like, it's called soul crush. I think where like you get, there's a break meter and if you can get them down low enough, you could just use a soul crush and he'll either like stomp on their head to explode their body. Or, um, my favorite so far has been, um, he puts the Sahagin on his back, like kind of like a Brock Lesnar F5, but then he just kind of tears them in half all across his back. That's great. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and like there's like the walls where there's like this like goopy stuff on the wall, like this goopy monster, and he just like shoves its hand down its throat and rips out its tongue and it explodes. And <laughs> it's it's just wild. And it's funny too because there I know one of the criticisms um in reviews and stuff was that there's there's too much loot. And I was thinking like, well, how bad could it be? And I'm like, every time you defeat an enemy, there's like four things that are dropped. And typically they're they're not even like all that much different from each other. It's like here's a Here's a level four sword that that has a small boost HP. Here's a level four sword that has a small boost boost attack instead. And it's like you I think I ended with like picking up probably 100 items by the time I was done just the first level. Jeez, like, that's a lot. Yeah, it's, is this a is lot. wild. And then and then uh, I mean, the one good thing is you can go into the menu and just hit one button to optimize and then you can just go on with with your day sort of thing. Um, but Jack uh can change between classes on the fly. So, uh, and I think there's like 20 something classes you can get. So I, I was initially just st- sticking with like the sword. There's a, like a large sword user and uh, a mage. So I stuck with that. But even in the first level, there's like large sword user. And then there's like a fencing sword, kind of like fencing style sword user. Uh, there's a lancer, uh, pugilist. <laughs> like There's just so many going on. And then you ha- you choose like you can only choose two of the three party members 
to be with you in the match. And I don't even like they're fighting someone, but I don't know what they're doing. Like you don't have much control over what what's going on there. Um, but yeah, it's just like chaos is is a is a good word to use for this game because the story is insane. The 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 action is just completely for like it's frenetic. Like you just you're going from one to another and you're just pounding. Like it's very fast action combat. So you're just pounding on people and tearing them to bits, blowing stuff up. You're just, like destroying env- the environmental stuff around you. You just go like you're just like a sledgehammer or a bull in a china shop, just destroying everything. It's it's crazy. And then yeah, like even in the cut, uh, the loading screens, they're talking about. Uh, you know, Cornelia in Dimension Twelve is like this, and then this place in Dimension Fourteen is like. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about, Dimension? What, what dimensions? Like, what's going on? Like, I haven't even gotten to the point where I, I'm on, like. And then they're they're talking about like there's like this narrator in the loading screen that's kind of talking about these places, and I'm like, who's the narrator? I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, it, it, this sounds it sounds actually really good. Now, I I, I think that just. I I didn't I didn't really know what this game was going to be. And you're giving me a good idea, David, what I've seen, the impressions and reviews um, that if you are into this universe, if you're into this world and these these characters that you've 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 encountered in previous iterations of this game, like you're going to get into you're going to get into this game. And uh, it might be a nice kind of like uh, more, you know, laid back, more like, you know, devil may care game compared to Elden Ring, which is a lot more serious and, you know, difficult and you have to be patient and all that stuff. Like this one, like, yeah, maybe I'll just turn down the difficulty and just embrace the wildness of this game, embrace yeah. the chaos, right? So uh, th- I- I'm I'm absolutely picking this up this year. I I, I think it's also the type of game that's going to, we're going to see a discount on this game at, at, at least probably by soon. Black Friday, right? If it, yeah. Probably a lot sooner, probably in the summer yeah. <laughs> around E3 time. <laughs> Probably around the time when they announce Final Fantasy 16 or they show more about Final Fantasy 16 because everyone's going to get yeah. hyped up and want to buy something Final Fantasy at that time, right? So, uh, but I, I have to play this game at some point. Oh, and tr- like, terrific music too because they do arrange like new arrangements, like full orchestral arrangements of the old music. Oh, awesome. But they, yeah, yeah. But they make it like more, uh, like more action based, like more, like they speed stuff up, but you can tell like that they're using samples from the old music and stuff. So it's mm-hmm. like total nostalgia beat. Yeah, I, I love it. And I, I, I was waiting. I really was, you know, 50 50 and waiting for to get more of your impressions. And it sounds like a game I'm really going to enjoy. So I, I do want to pick this up at some point for sure. Yep, definitely looking forward to get back into it. I, I, you know, I use discipline. I, I stopped at the, the Western Keep, even though I was really excited to see Jack punch him in the face. But I, I'll save that for uh, later tonight. That feels like his de- his default response to everybody. It's just like, oh, I don't like what you're saying. I'm going to punch you in the face and curse at you, right? Like that, that yeah. that's that's how he, he solves problems, you know. Jack is the permanent bad cop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, I think that'll take us to the the end of this episode. Uh, I don't know if anyone has anything to plug or if anything. Uh, going on they want to talk about before the end we, we should pl- chris you recently published something on thirsty mage why don't you tell people about that oh yeah just um just did a quick review of it a little little roguelike game called royal frontier um it's not a bad game it's just there's not a lot to it um it's just you know it's it's a pretty cheap game and david i think you're still offering to a special offer to patrons so oh. patrons pay attention yeah. to that please <laughs> yeah there's anybody... there's two uh, we have two rev- two codes uh, if anyone wants to play it uh, so uh, right now for anyone who's uh, in our patreon uh yeah if you want one of those codes for royal frontier there's uh, nothing you have to do all you have to do is let me know if you want it and i'll send you the code so 
uh, obviously there's only two so uh, we'll go with uh, first come first serve at this point but yeah if you're uh, looking to have something to play on the switch uh hit me up in the discord or on the patreon yeah and if you're not if you're not a patron you know a good opportunity to 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 get in check check it out right so yeah and it's not a bad game at all it's just it's really short and there's not a lot to it but you know it's it's a decent little game seems like oregon trail with uh turn-based combat you need yeah. those palate cleansers between some of these bigger, more serious, more chaotic games, I suppose, right? So Exactly. Uh, Paige, what about you? I know you've been busy with work, uh, but what about uh, YouTube or reviews or anything like that? Uh, well, I did finally publish the Atelier Sophie 2 review on RPG site. And um, yeah, and soon there'll probably be an episode on that as well. Right on. Yeah, that's right. David, you guys are, I know you uh, had uh, plans to do an episode on that one too. Um, I think that'll take us to the end of this episode. I, I, don't, I don't really have anything to plug. I do have a review for Kraken Academy. Uh, it's kind of a funny little adventure game that uh, just came out on Switch. People can check that out on NintendoWorldReport.com. Um, but yeah, I think that'll do it for, for this episode. Uh, I'm sure David will be sharing more impressions of uh, A Stranger Paradise as he continues on. I know that he finished the Triangle Strategy <laughs> and was... It's funny. Started we both, the second playthrough already. <laughs> we, we both ended up at the same ending. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I think it, 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 uh, that probably is one of the ones that more players would go towards, I think. Um, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll leave any discussion of that ending till another time. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, lots of lots of good games coming out. Uh, Kirby in a couple days, Chrono Cross. David uh, mentioned that earlier. Um, anything else? I guess we'll. Now that I'm finally playing Valkyria Chronicles, we'll be able to do an episode on that soon because I'm hoping to finish that in the next uh, uh, week or so. Um, it's that'll game. be my my that'll be my serious game while I'm playing Kirby on my Switch with my son. Uh, but I do need a nighttime game for me. So. So yeah, so you know the long, long-awaited episode on that coming out, um, and yeah, like uh, Paige mentioned, probably an episode on Atelier Sophie two coming soon too. But uh, yeah, always lots of good stuff happening at the Thirsty Mage. Uh, so thanks again, everybody, for listening. Thanks to uh, uh, Paige and Chris for joining us. Nice to hear some other voices on the podcast that we hadn't heard from in a little while. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to everybody next week. Bye for now. Bye. 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 Bye.